You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. David Bowie once said that the great thing about growing old is you become the person you always should have been. Well, that gave me food for thought. And then when this, you know, swimming against the tide came up, I thought, yes, I've always made life hard for myself. I've always spoken out. I've always done this, that and the other. And I thought, well, I can't actually talk about the things I've done. So I'd better sort of look back at my life. And believe you me, I've got seven decades to look back on and try and work out how I got to be me. Okay. So my parents were absolutely lovely people. They were so good. And I was the only surviving child out of four, which made me precious, apparently, according to the GP. I think he meant precocious, but never mind. <laughs> so <laughs> they moved us out of London, the wicked city, and moved into the middle of absolutely nowhere in Norfolk, in what had been a Victorian uh, workhouse, which was now a home for the elderly, they called them in those days, not a care home. And my mother was a matron and my father was the superintendent. When they started this job, my father went to what was meant to be his office and on the door was this brass plaque saying, the master. So he went and found a screwdriver, took that off, and, uh, you know, that is possibly the beginning. So it was very strange because there were 108 old people, as they were called in those days. I can't think of much politer, as I'm one. And uh, they were all sort of, you know, around 70s plus, up to 100. And nobody my age. So all my friends were lots older than me, and my best friend was Ethel. Now, Ethel was sort of in her 70s, and she used to look after me because my parents were always at work. <laughs> so we had a great time. I had loads of imagination, and you know, I had to have because there was no one my age to play with. Now, Ethel had been put into the workhouse after being raped and having an illegitimate child. She was put in the workhouse. It was all her fault, of course. But she was an absolutely lovely woman, totally uneducated, could hardly write, but was absolutely wonderful, adored her. So it was a very strange upbringing, but I loved it. My imagination just ran right around this amazing three-story massive building in the middle of nowhere. But what I used to love was listening to my parents' conversations. They'd come back 
for coffee or lunch or whatever. And I used to avidly, from a very young age, listen to the, what they were talking about. And I learned one heck of a lot. And one day, my dad was really storming. He was so angry. And he, he said, it's just not on. She can't go to a grave being called mentally incompetent when she isn't. And there was this lovely woman and she was dying. And she had this, she'd been bunged in the workhouse for being mentally incompetent. <laughs> Your dad it said, it's just not right, you know, I can't have it. So he started arguing with the council. And one phone call, they said, well, she's dying anyway, what does it matter? Ooh. Well, that didn't go down too well. But dad fought on, and when she was buried, all the mental incompetence was absolutely written off, all her notes and everything, it was redacted. So that was good. But all their conversations, they did so much for the old people. They were always having um, people coming in and singing and playing music. They used to take them um, on trips, those that want to go down the broads. And once a year, we'd hire a complete hotel in Yarmouth. And all those that wanted to go on holiday for a week would go and their relatives were invited to come to, but obviously they had to pay, and the staff to look after them. And we had great times pushing wheelchairs up and down Yarmouth front. It was fabulous. They did so much from, for them. So, I don't know, I think you can see where I'm beginning to come from. I mean, after listening to that conversation, I got a real idea that there was a lot of injustice in the world. I was only about 10, but you know, it started me on that track. And I was beginning to think, well, you have to fight it, you can't have this. And so it carried on. I mean, the first story I ever loved was the story of Harriet Tubman and uh, how she started the Underground Railway in one place and helped loads of slaves escape from the South to freedom. And I was only about six or seven when I read that, and that just stuck in my mind. So you can see where I'm going with this, can't you? So... <laughs> I worked in care homes. I was registered from about the age of 15. I used to work in my parents' one that they ran, and then I was allowed to work in others in holidays and things. And I went into one care home, and uh, I was horrified because you got them up, you gave them breakfast, you put them in the sitting room, you got them out of the sitting room, you gave them their lunch. When they'd had their lunch, you put them back in the sitting room. No interaction whatsoever. And I thought, this isn't right. So on my lunch breaks, I'd go and sit with the residents, and I'd talk to them and have my lunch. Well, the matron caught me one day, and she really let rip at me in front of everyone. And I just said, I'm on my lunch break, and there really isn't enough interaction going on in this home with the people that live here. You could see her sort of going like this, <laughs> like the tassels. And um, 
one of the other carers actually heard her saying this and she said, you know who she is, don't you? And I thought, hmm, who am I? Her parents run Hill House. It's the biggest home in the county. Well, after that, I was allowed time to talk to the, to the residents. And not only that, I got out of some ironing. I'd done so much ironing since I got there, and I really hate ironing. So that was that. Um, I did train to become a nurse, and I've worked in all sorts of specialities and just been an amazing career. But at one point, after I'd had children, I thought, well, I'll just ease myself back into nursing. I'll apply for a job at a care home. So I went into this care home for the interview, and the owner magnanimously said, this is my home, and we welcome the residents in. I just looked at him, gave him my glare. I said, no, it's their home, and you are privileged to look after them. Hmm. So I decided I didn't want that job, but they wanted me more than I wanted them, and I needed some money, so... But then, obviously, that came to an end when I had a massive blowout with him and told him what I thought and walked out. So... I can't talk too much about what I've done because it's sensitive. But I have to say, I can talk about this lovely lady because she is long dead and she had no relatives and I'm not going to name her, so I think that covers all the legal side. Right, so I used to have my own nurse-led clinics and I used to see and treat patients. And I had this lovely woman who was dying, she was really ill, but she used to come and see me once a fortnight. And, you know, I asked the consultant to come and see her at one time, and I said, you know, <laughs> what do you think? Um, would you like to assess her as she's your patient? And uh, he said, well, you know, let, let's save her the trouble of hospital transport appointment, hospital transport, you know, from beginning to end could last for four hours. So when I suggested it to her, she said, no, no, please don't. I love coming here. You always make me smile. We have good conversations. No, it's, it's what I want. I want to come. So I thought, right, ignore the consultant. That's fine. I said, okay, booked her in. A couple of weeks later, she turned up and she was really upset. She said, have moved me to another home. She said, it's absolutely awful. And she said, and they don't save me any lunch. I leave the home at 10, I get back at 4, and they just not even a cup of tea, nothing. And the one thing she loved was her grub. So I went home, I was so furious. I wish I still had the letter, but I wrote a letter to the care home absolutely berating them for their lack of care. And I also wrote a really sharp letter to the GP saying, okay, she's dying, so have we just put her somewhere that, you know, just out of the way and that's fine and whatever. It's not fair in her last couple of months of life because she didn't have much longer. I said, why has she been moved? And then I thought, yeah, okay, maybe they couldn't handle her. It was just a sort of 
an ordinary care home, not a nursing care home. So I saw her a fortnight later and she was so happy. She said she'd been moved yet again. The food was amazing. <laughs> and she said, thank you very much. And I thought, yes, that's great. So here I am rambling on and I could ramble on forever as Lucy knows. But basically it's trying to find out why I am like I am, although I think I've toned down a bit, quite honestly. And I think you'll get an inkling of where I was coming from if I read you one of my school reports. Oh, it's a good one. I'm very fond of this. Ruth appears deliberately to cultivate an insolent and defiant attitude towards authority. Yes! <laughs> Noisy and uncontrolled, and she resents correction. <laughs> well, I don't mind it if it's worth it, but when it's, we've always done it like that, you know, you can stuff it. Given that I was at boarding schools, because my parents did realize that I actually needed to interact with other children, so I ended up at boarding schools. Far too untidy, and dilatory about house routine. Well, so there's no change there then. <laughs> so in retrospect, and having gone through this sort of 70-year journey, I have to say that my father once said to me, oh, you're pretty like your mother. Believe me, I have never been pretty, possibly when I was four, but pretty is not something you'd apply to me. I just looked at him and I said, Dad, I look just like you. <laughs> Which I do. You know, a picture of him, big nose, fat mouth. You know, that's me. But what I realise now is that my mum was a really caring person. Dad was the outspoken one. But both of them wanted to do their best for people. And so what... I was taught was you stand up for what is right no matter how hard it is on yourself you do it thank you True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich. <laughs>